Welcome to the Dellingpod with me, James Dellingpole. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but before we meet him, a quick word on behalf of one of our, one of our superb sponsors. A brilliant podcast deserves a brilliant sponsor, and we've got one in the form of Monetary Metals, our old friends Monetary Metals. I've had the CEO, Keith Weiner on the podcast a couple of times to explain how he manages to uh, enable you to own gold while yet having interest paid on it. But he does it by essentially lending the gold out to the jewellery industry and that and that's how he gets gets how you get your interest paid so you have your gold gold holding and then you get paid in interest also in in gold it's a, a great a great idea and um i recommend it um i've got i've got some money invested in myself uh you can earn two to five percent annually on your gold supporting your while well, supporting businesses in, in the gold industry or if you're an, incredit, uh, an accredited investor, you could be eligible to earn even higher yield, double digits in, in their gold bond offerings. It's 100% physical, 100% yours, your metal, you're in control. If you don't like an opportunity, you can opt out at any time. So get on your own personal gold standard today with Monetary Metals. Visit monetary-metals.com forward slash Dellingpole to learn more and get started opening an account. Jason Christoph, welcome to the Delling Pod. I think we ought, we, we ought to begin with a health warning. Um, if you like coffee, <laughs> look away now. <laughs> this is true. It's unfortunate, but it's true, James. There are research reasons why i bang that drum quite a bit but uh yeah it's it's about progress never perfection i think we should put that before anything i talk about well you know i i have to say jason i mean um i'm I'm kind of getting ahead of the game here but look you used to be addicted to all manner of heavy shit didn't you i mean like cocaine was it or what what was what were your addictions yeah, I was a self-sabotage expert, which means I used to hurt myself as Olympic sport. But yeah, it started early, you know, junk food, and then it turned into alcohol, which I didn't really like. I like drugs more, yeah, like LSD and uh, psilocybin, cocaine. And I really took some hard runs at myself, and I turned it around over time. But I, I know what it's like for someone to be addicted to something. I mean, thank God. I did drink coffee for about three years of my life. I was free and clear of it up until 44. So I do know what it's like for the average person to be addicted and a little messy. And I also know what it's like to pull out of it. How did you go for so long without drinking coffee? I don't really know because when I tried it, I thought it was the best drug I've ever had in my life. Right. I was a really, I was really into a lot of drugs for de- You know, I, I stopped doing drugs at about 30, 30 years old. But yeah. when I found coffee at 44, I said, wow, this is amazing. It completely relaxed me. You could feel the high it would, uh, would give me. And I yeah. thought, how would I be missing this? But after, I drank it for three years. I started to get sort of these weird side effects, and then I started to look into it. I mean, basically for the coffee, the best book is Stephen Chernisky's book called Caffeine Blues, 
And uh, it's it's a real uh, page turner. People would be very interested in in what's being hidden from them in regards to caffeine, not just coffee, but caffeine. Yeah, well, people who watch this podcast are always interested in things that have been hidden from them, which we can now we, we can now reveal. Um, I mean, the, the reason I've got you on the podcast is is because I saw one of your excellent excellent what would you call them a lecture? A kind of, you 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 do this kind of TED talk type spiel don't you on well i mean i don't i don't want to spoil it i mean i'm fascinated by if you're correct about the origins of the word media for example yes but just tell me about your life before your earlier life you know your working life how did you become this thing that you are today well basically i graduated from mcgill university in 1994 and i opened a small chain of fitness clubs right out of the gate but and that was really dangerous because they were very successful and then i had a lot of these what's called mind viruses or programs that the media had put into me i didn't know they were there but they certainly took hold what one of the big programs if you get some money you should be drinking cristal champagne driving fast cars getting drunk doing cocaine and i was almost dead i was literally almost dead by 29 years old and I had pain. I, I couldn't walk. I was crippled. I could barely walk up the stairs of my own fitness club at 29. So I phoned this lady who worked at what's called the Czech Institute in California, C-H-E-K. And she came to me and they're versed in all these matters. And she just said, look, uh, you're not really unhealthy. You just have these programs in your mind that and the good programs are missing. You have some bad programs. I'm like, what are you talking about? But she started to do some defragmenting of my mental hard drive. And I got uh, really healthy, really fast. This inability for me to walk properly that I had for, say, 20 years before I met her, she took it away in two weeks. And I was flabbergasted. I'm like, wow, where do you, where's this magic? Who taught you this? This is amazing. She said, go to this institute. So I went to the institute myself, became a high-end exercise and health coach. And then when I was training clients and charging them thousands of dollars, they I found they were terrified. They were afraid to be their best selves. They would hire me. They wanted to lose 30 pounds. They would lose nine pounds. And then go back to Dairy Queen and gain it all back. So I phoned the Institute back and I said, look, it's sort of embarrassing. I'm, I'm taking their money and uh, they're not following through. I give, I'm doing everything you told me. Everything's great in the exercise realm, in the diet realm, but they're afraid to be their best. And, and this uh, lady on the phone said, well, they have this psychological programming. There's something called the subconscious mind. It controls about 93 to 97% of a behavior. There's some incorrect programs running in it. And I said, what? What is this? What are you talking about? So they sent me some information and I started to understand why my clients were afraid to be their best selves in a underachieving society. Because we all want to blend in. We find safety with the bigger herd. So if you get all these you know, all this stimulation from the environment, all this repetitive content from the environment that you're 
you know, the, the group, the, the tribe you're in isn't healthy, it's actually dangerous for you to be healthy in an unhealthy tribe. It's uh, dangerous for you to be abundant in a poverty-stricken tribe. So I started to understand this part of the mind, and I started to use psychological manipulation tactics on my clients to try and hold them to their exercise programs and hold them to their diets, and it's the only thing that ever worked. And I said, this is getting, this is too weird. But I started to talk about it online, and then I started to have all this international inquiries, and then I sort of quit being a trainer in inside my own fitness chain, started doing it online. It became so busy, I had to start like a an institute where I teach this now to, I teach it to medical doctors. I teach it to chiropractors. I teach it to health coaches and I teach it to members of the general public because there's only one way to do this psychological reprogramming. And basically you can cast spells on yourself and you can cast spells on others that are positive. It doesn't have to be negative. And the average, I mean, the media, unfortunately, and the government today, they are colluding to cast these spells on us and what's hijack what's called the subconscious mind, which is they just manipulate the repetitive content of what we see with our eyes and what we hear with our ears. And our subconscious does the rest because it's basically programmed to lust after the content, believe in it represents what the bigger herd is saying, thinking, or doing. And then it takes this list of repetitive content and forces us to act it out. And this is all outside our conscious awareness. And yeah. we don't know what's going mm. on. It's like a, a cut healing. We don't have to, we don't have to get involved with the cut healing. This is all like safety based protocol, you know, behind the scenes. We have safety-based protocol, and one of those safety-based protocols isn't just the cut healing. It's our subconscious looking out in the environment very rapidly, trying to identify the repetitive content, then forces us to mimic, emulate, and copy it in an attempt to find safety. And so, unfortunately, if you don't control your own repetitive content, paintings in your house or the audio you listen to, the podcast you listen to, what you watch, or even how you think. Like if you expose yourself to what's going on in the media today, you're going to run east looking for a sunset. It's going to be very painful. Yeah, yeah. Can I just ask you before we go on? In your crystal drinking days... <laughs> Was the yeah. was the ever was the there must have been a brief period where it was actually enjoyable. It was enjoyable because I was I was told it was enjoyable <clears throat> because the repetitive content would equate that lifestyle with the good life. But then I started to question myself, well if it's the good life, why do I feel so depressed? And there was lots of times I was actually um, chronically suicidal as well when I was sort of taking in all these poisons. And it's no disrespect to people uh, because I never put um, like anything to my wrist and tried to cut myself. I never got through with the, you know, the actions of suicide. But every day I would consider, I was so depressed, I would consider ending my own life. So I thought, is if this is the good life, why do you feel 
so depressed to the point where you don't want to be living. And I would be stacking all these things too, cocaine, steroids. So I was, I was everything the society told me that I should be. I had like big muscles and like a big full wallet. And I had lots of female attention and I had a, you know, nice sports cars. And I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And as soon as that lady, her name is Janice Marshall, as soon as this lady changed my diet, with not only in two weeks did my hip function come back, I I couldn't even remember when I was suicidal. I, people had to remind me, you, you remember you used to talk about you being suicidal? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, right. I do remember. That's how, that's how, quickly it ejected out of my mind it was unbelievable wow yeah. i think we should we should cut to the chase here should we should we, should we talk about media or media or or do, or do you tell, tell me the story what well, you basically i think you watched my presentation at the greater reset potentially and yeah. you know when you make these presentations you gotta have some fun facts that get their attention ones yeah. that they can verify for themselves so basically this media if you look it up on google and the great thing is google's not censoring this yet so if you look up media the country there's actually a country but you'll see it was very old it's like thousands of years old doesn't exist now but it was in the area where iran and azerbaijan are today and if you follow some of the work of this gentleman out of Ireland, uh, his name is Michael Tessarian. He will tell, he has many books and many great information pathways you can follow. And he will tell you that this country housed people that were called the Medes. And yeah. this is where, obviously, where we get our, our <laughs> word media from. And basically, the kings and queens of media the country would bring in other kings and queens and leaders around the Mediterranean and explain how a small group of people can sort of do what I was talking about earlier is control the repetitive content that your subjects see and hear. Therefore, hacking this psychology where the average human has this sort of tallying system of repetitive content, then they mimic it. So it's sort of like the basic foundation of the government system we have today. Even the word government, I mean, everybody knows this. Most popular meme on the internet is govern is French for to control and ment or mentis is Latin for the mind. Government actually means mind control in a literal translation. So the kings and queens of media would sort of explain this psychological manipulative, um, you know, modalities by which you can hold, uh, basically, you could do harvest uh, gatherings, you could do government announcements, you could have the town crier, and all you, or you could print books or flyers, but you wanted to control the repetitive content of the environment, therefore, you would control the perceptions, the ideas, and the beliefs of the public. And they used to teach this. And this is where we have the idea of government today. Without media controlling the repetitive content of what we see as humans and what we hear as humans, government could not exist. 
It could yes. not exist whatsoever. I get that. I, I mean, it must have been, I, I can see why it's very, very easy to use these mechanisms today when you've got everyone with this box in their sitting room, which tells them what to think. We, we can talk about that in a moment. But I'm just thinking, where did the, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar, I, I know media existed um, because I, I remember from my classical education reading about the Medes and the Persians, um, but I didn't know much about the Medes. Um, the who, how did they discover this knowledge? And uh, okay, you, you said they can print books. Obviously, they, the printing hadn't been invented then. So they had to use more, I, I suppose they had to sort of put obelisks every, everywhere with carvings or, or I don't know how, do you know anything more about the methods they might have used? I think it was just sort of, I mean, this is why maybe the Agora, you know, sort of the town square started. And, you know, when you say the light box that hangs in your living room, basically that is the town square stuck on the wall inside your living room. And they would just, there, there wasn't going to be a lot of media at that time. It was, mm. like I said, harvest celebrations, maybe in the fall, a spring celebrations with, you know, the sun's coming up over the Tropic of Cancer, whatever they, you know, the Passover. <laughs> they would do things where they would just gather people together. And of course, religious scripture uh, is very famous, but this is long, be not even long before that, but there was always these cultural teachings that the government would control. And then, of course, it just gets more complex where there's a screen on on every wall in the living room. Everybody's got a screen in their pocket. And we're getting, even the algorithms are picking and choosing things that we should be seeing to lead us in the direction they want us to go. So yeah. it, it's it's very clever. But again, it's not complicated. Humans mimic, copy, and emulate the most repetitive content of the environment. I'll give you a, an example, James. I mean, in the in the uh, 2001, there was a movie called Gone in 60 Seconds with Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage, and it was very repetitive about car theft. And this part of the brain also doesn't know the difference between real-time imagined thought and what's on the screen. So when you're in the movie theater, your subconscious mind is basically trying to surmise what kind of tribe am I in. It doesn't know that's what what's on the screen is just you know fantasy. So in this movie had many, many car thefts that were very repetitive. And when this movie opened in Burnaby, BC, Canada, car theft went up 70% in the first four days alone. And the dispatch at the police station started getting similar calls from all you sort of, sort of around the area and they would say is that movie playing in your area it's really seems to affect the the car theft now this was picked out by uh, dr jerry croth at uh, santa clara university in california and he has studied a lot of these social contagions that sort of start in the cinema and then come out and if you were to interview anybody in the cinema and really say would you ever believe that a movie about car theft could prompt a certain percentage of people in here to steal cars? They would say absolutely not. But I will let you know, all the way from the me from the country of media, all the way up to today, the people know this concretely that what's on the screen at noon will be on the street by evening. Absolutely. Wow. Um. So, I mean, that, that example. Do, do you think 
the 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 makers of that film were try- it seems to me that 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 the entertainment industry colludes in societal destruction it 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 encourages it in habits that that are bad for us um and i suppose the best example of that might be the way black culture rap culture is geared towards encouraging young young black men especially to to inculcate the habits which are going to either get them killed or in in jail so they drink the cristal they they like the gats and the hose and they and they like like they like you know thug life you can see, you can see that that's definitely a, a targeting of one particular community what why what, what would have been the motive behind promoting car theft do you think I don't know if there was any sort of motive behind Carthet, but this is why they want to digitize everything. So if they do do something, they can really narrow it down to the finest percent that it had X effect or Y effect. They really want to, they want to collect all the data because then you can just sort of get instant feedback on all your experiments. And in relation to what you're talking about with the gangster rap, Dr. Jerry Croth as well, and you can find him on YouTube still. Uh, he was, t- he's the one that coined what's called the Cosby effect. Uh, there was something called the Cosby show. And yes, I'm aware Bill Cosby's had some trouble since then. Lovely man. But he, there was something called the Cosby show. He, uh, Mr. Cosby, Bill Cosby played Mr. Huxtable. And he was an African American medical doctor. He had a wife, Claire. She was an African American, uh, lawyer. And they had an intact family and the children were doing well at school. Now, during the nine year run of the show, African American enrollment in law school and med school went up 19%. And they call that the Cosby effect. Now they pulled that show and the reasons given, they're saying it was, you know, coming, coming down in popularity, but that's not, didn't really seem to be the case statistically. Some people say they pulled it because that's too, much of a positive mimicking, too much of a positive emulating. And then they brought in the gangster rep, and Dr. Jerry Croft calls that the Lil Wayne effect, where in only a short few years, the enrollment of the black community in any post-secondary education dropped below uh, pre-Cosby show levels. And you can see they're always toying with this, what they're going to show us. I mean, Netflix might as well be called Deathflix. We're, we're watching actors shoot, stab, rape, and murder each other. And then we're wondering why there's so much dysfunction. They're like, you know, some of the stuff I, I saw one lady inside a bakery at a grocery store lately. She's completely buck naked, putting all the cakes all over her body and in her body. And people are wondering, like, and they were, no one was doing anything. They have to wait for the police to get there, right? But uh, we're wondering where all this mental dysfunction is, is coming from. But if we could understand that we will mimic either in its totality or partially what we're seeing on the screen or what we're exposing ourselves to, obviously we're going to get to some dysfunction inside the population. Yes. Now, you, the reason that you argue, I'm sure rightly, that we are particularly susceptible to... Um, televisions and, and and the screen is that our brain works in, in an is an alpha state is that right it 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 is it, the sort of same level that you need to sort of absorb subconsciously all, all these kind of messages 
Well, the alpha state is the state they want to get us in. Like when we're thinking it's beta state, I think it's about 24 cycles a second. And then if you drop it down to 12, you're in this what's called alpha brainwave state. It's the same state that a stage hypnotist will put people in and then make them do very funny things. And when you are staring at a single point of attention, so so you see some ancient magic going on here because we had the hypnotist would have the pocket watch on a chain and they would say you know focus on the watch you're getting very tired but it's there's a great documentary called pseudoology the art of lying and they will prove there's many medical professionals and scientists that parade throughout that documentary and they show that the reason the watch hypnotism works is because you focus on a single point of attention that's when you go into alpha brainwave state so when you're watching tv it's like watching the watch so you go into alpha brainwave state which means your body recognizes that you're really relaxed and that means you don't really have the potential to defend yourself if you're attacked. So we run on these weird safety protocols. Now, if you don't have the ability, like you're sitting down, so you're prone to, you're vulnerable. You're relaxed. That means you're vulnerable. So your body starts tabulating this and saying, you know what? If someone attacks you right now, um, you're not really good at defending yourself. You're actually sitting down. You have to be standing up to defend yourself from physical attack. And again, your body doesn't know that you're sitting down watching TV, that you're not really vulnerable to attack. Now, when your body makes this declaration, it wants, it also decides it'd be safer just to blend with the tribe and do as you're told, comply to authority and take a knee. That's the safest option to take. And when you're in this alpha brainwave state, your body realizes you're vulnerable. That's when it really starts accelerating the download of the repetitive content from your environment in an attempt to say, hey, what tribe am I in? I'm pretty vulnerable. What do I have to say? What do I have to do? I don't want to get attacked here. And so the people who rule us say, okay, let's sit them down. Let's get them staring at the Agora. That's like the, the TV. Now the town squares inside your house. They're the, the people from media are controlling your repetitive content when you're in the alpha brainwave state, which is the same state they call hypnotic state or trance. And they're going to, they don't really, they don't have to put their messages on the central character. They don't have to put it on Brad Pitt or Morgan Freeman. They, They put it sort of in the background. And your subconscious picks it up, bing, bang, boom, and then you mimic it. And if someone wanted to go, there's a great example, James, where there's a guy called Max Major. He goes in America's Got Talent on the semifinal. And he's, uh, he's a mentalist. He's, he's a guy that knows everything I'm talking about. And he does a brief introduction by video. And then he comes on the stage and he hacks Howie Mandel in front of 15 million people. And what he did is his little video montage before he came on, he put, he put certain similar images in the background, on the walls, uh, you know, on the bar, because he started in a bar and walked down the road in this video montage. And then he asked Howie Mandel to draw any picture he wanted. And guess what he drew? He drew exactly the repetitive content of the environment. And sure enough, four hours before the show, 
Max Major had drawn the exact same thing, put it in a sealed envelope. He made Howie draw first. He goes to the sealed envelope, pulls it out and says, Howie, did you draw anything like this? And Howie goes, you got to be joking me. It's the exact same thing Howie drew because, again, Howie's sitting down. He's watching a screen of the video montage before Max Major came out live. And and Howie's brain is just like your brain, just like my brain. Howie's brain was like, what tribe am I in? And the symbol that was riddled throughout the montage was a sun the subconscious would have said, hey, we're in a sun tribe. They're asking you to draw something, draw a sun, and you'll be safer. This is how hacking goes. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, that's really frightening. And of course, everyone everyone thinks that they're above all that. Everyone thinks they're immune to this stuff, don't they? But by your oh, account, y- yes. yeah. by your account, that was always the purpose of TV. That the, the, They always wanted to whatever their stated goals, you know, entertainment or education or whatever, the real purpose always was to put this box to focus our gaze, on which to focus our gaze in our sitting rooms and brainwash us. Is that right? Yeah, it, that's that's the end goal. They didn't start... With, with this media cult, mm-hmm. uh, they know that you can't leap and jump at the victim right away. They'll catch on. So... When they did do the TV, the end goal was exactly what you said. But you can't get there too quickly or they notice. So you would start with sort of general control of the repetitive programming. You would have good content like Little House on the Prairie with uh, Laura and Michael Ingalls and things like this. But eventually you get to today where, you know, you're watching Bad Moms, right? This movie, Bad Moms. And you're, and then it's not the only repetitive movie in that genre that all women have to be single, that, you know, everything's about sexuality. Moms drink all the time and party all the time. And so there's repetitive content for the women. There's repetitive content for the men. The repetitive content for the men is more the Homer Simpson from The Simpsons, Peter Griffin from The Family Guy, um, Seinfeld, everybody's a a buffoon, no one has a job, everybody's a goofball. And then we're just drowning in the repetitive content for a particular gender or, you know, and and things had gotten completely out of control, but out of our control, but completely into the control of the media experts. They seem to use comedy, uh, especially as a vehicle for these these messages. You're right about uh, Homer Simpson. In in the UK, we had this series called Men Behaving Badly, where oh, yes. the the boys, but they were just lads, and they were on the sofa all the time. And they were drinking, and they were useless. And the girls were sensible and capable. I mean, I I can't remember when I when I last saw a a capable man on TV, apart from Reacher, who's who's too much the other way. He's just like a <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But anyway, I suppose the classic example of this is Friends, where so much messaging was was inserted into the populace's brains. For example, the notion that paleontology is a thing and that dinosaurs are real, you know, (laughs) with Ross. And then um, my friend Miri, Miri Finch pointed out on one of her excellent blogs the other day. He said, look, there are scenes where... 
Rachel and the other girls are they're stuffing their faces with ice cream and they're having they're drinking sticky cocktails and and what they're telling the viewer is this is the lifestyle you should aspire to and you can do this and you can still look like like Rachel whereas in real life the actress playing Rachel does not was probably not stuffing her face with ice cream she was going to the gym every day but it was promoting am I on the right track here yeah, you're definitely on the right track. I mean, one of the primary repetitive imprints of Friends, and again, this part of the brain doesn't know when one sitcom ends on the screen and another one begins. If you get off the couch, it thinks your real life is equal to it. But in Friends, you have this continuation of the coffee motif as well, right at the Central Perk. And basically, there was also some, you can see all the programming has to be in there, all the primary programming. One time, Joey was, uh, got a job, soap opera star. He was, um, he, he was Dr. Drake Ramore on a soap opera and he had made it big. And this is a common theme. It's called poverty programming. So Joey made it big. He was, became a real jerk, a real prick and lost all his friends and then they they wrote him off of the soap opera they threw him down down an elevator shaft if you remember and killed his character so then joey has to come back and sort of beg forgiveness from the old poverty-stricken group and then when he's back in the old recliner with with chandler and they both recline at the same time he you know he's kind of teary-eyed he says this is where i feel more comfortable i never felt comfortable in my penthouse i feel more comfortable here you know shoveling shit down at abc dirt factory and that is that is the main motif i mean it doesn't matter if you watch the movie equalizer or you watch the movie the titanic or the marksman or taken you'll see that the characters that are always framed as being more noble more moral more spiritual they're all poverty stricken like even an equalizer denzel washington you know he's saving the whole world so not only is he poor he's a hero and he's so poor he's he's got like denzel washington he's got to clean his his shoes his sneakers every night with a toothbrush and he can't sleep and he's saving the prostitutes and then he's laying waste to muggers and so you can see the framing and then alternately in all these shows like in the equalizer there was a villain he's a rich guy he draw his name is slavy he's the pimp he has a limousine one night a gullwing door mercedes the next has a huge opulently decorated nightclub which he gets killed in by denzel washington because slavy was hitting the prostitutes so you can see it doesn't matter what movie you watch because they know the subconscious doesn't know what movie you're watching (laughs) so you can go to the theater and the people who control us say pick any movie you want it doesn't even matter we got the same messages brad pitt putting them out denzel washington morgan freeman the rock would it were they're like so it's the fake freedom they'll give you freedoms in the areas that never count we call it the free dumb plan f-r-e-e-d-u-m-b where you think you're free but it's not really freedom in the classical sense any movie is going to have all these themes anti-male uh single female themes poverty programming 
these are the coffee, alcohol, and don't forget whatever I'm talking about, the process by which the body downs low repetitive content because it's afraid of the bigger group, it's amplified when you're poisoned. So here's the funny part, if you can follow this. They put the coffee program in there and use repetitive coffee programming to make you drink coffee. But when you drink coffee, you're more prone to any other repetitive content they put on the screen because you're more prone to seek group approval when you're injured. Poisoned people are injured. Injured people need more group acceptance. And uh, if you want the group acceptance, you do what the repetitive content says. It's a real bizarre cycle. Wow. There's so right. much to talk about there. We've just, I want to just learn more about poverty programming because I tell you what came to mind instantly from one of your country, uh, uh, originating in your country, if you are Canadian, yeah? Yes, um, I am. Shit's Creek, the oh. comedy series about <laughs> this absolutely. rich family which, which suddenly become poor and they, they, and they discover that their lives are much happier and more fulfilled in poverty. That's, that's absolutely it. And, you know, that's a great example because you see some of their, there's flashbacks to their old house in Toronto. I think it was yeah. big, huge mansions. Everybody had these huge walk-in closets for their clothes. And then they're living at that hotel in Shit's Creek. That's all they own. And, and again, like even the movie Titanic, even how Jack Doss and Leonardo DiCaprio, even how he got on to the Titanic, he didn't have to buy the ticket because that, you know, because that would dirty the character. He won it in a card game just before. He didn't even plan it. He's a fly by night and just going with the flow kind of hero. And then he goes in and then you have Rose who has to marry uh, this rich guy, and the rich guy's never nice, right? He's always a dick. And so she's up in the first class cabin and having her dinner, and she can't stand it. Everybody's saying stupid stuff. No one's happy up there. I've been in situations like that. You know, not every rich guy's a bad guy. Like money doesn't bring happiness, but either just poverty. It yeah. just money makes you a magnet. It's like a magnifying glass, it makes you more of who you already are. But so she sneaks down, Rose sneaks down in the movie Titanic to meet Jack, this spiritually grounded, you know, free flowing guy. And she's got to sneak down, not to the second class cabin, but to the third. She kicks open the door. There's your big, you know, UK. Everybody's celebrating. Someone's got the spoons. Someone's got the accordion. Yeah. And, and all we see is the picture. They got the camera on her and she's there. Jack's pretending to swing her in a dance and she's had the smile and the director James Cameron would have said smile as big as you can smile she never had so much fun she ends up you know having relations with the man in the ba back of the park car you know th th this is and then the women are programmed to do this to their husbands through the repetitive program which is not just in that movie it's in all of them and then this poverty programming for the men that if i want to have someone who really loves me if i want to have fun in life um i have to be poor it's absolutely everywhere and then you know this necklace worth 40 million bucks she kept it the whole time the poor daughter probably you know bankrupt taking care of her mom could have 
put everybody up in a beautiful life, cashing in this $40 million diamond. And then, you know, Rose in her elderly years throws it into the drink. And I'm just like, she throw, you know, she throws it back in the ocean in, in as a tribute to Jack, who is poor. So you can see all the attention, all the positive adornment. It's like bees. It's like honey. You put all the positive adornment on where you want the human to go. This is part and parcel of mind control too. Celebrate and put the positive energy, the positive emotions on the attributes or characteristics or behavior you want the human to go toward and then they're like moths to a flame. They'll walk right off a cliff, most humans, if they don't know how this manipulation goes. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about what the motivation for poverty programming is. But, of course, it's, it's what Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum meant when he said, you will own nothing and you will be happy. It's, and, and this presumably goes back right to the time of the Medes. That, that Absolutely. They don't you get the you know, plebs used to the idea of being poor. Yeah, get them used to it. You you know, these people, don't forget the people at the top, when they manipulate, they didn't really have to build their businesses by intellect. So they're not very good at competition either. They're good at manipulation. So if someone comes out that's smarter than them, which is a lot of people, um, you know, they could, they could lose their monopolies or their oligopolies. Yeah. They could definitely lose it. So you want to condition the public to be poor all the time. And even... Like, it's a pretty obvious if I tell you, you got to get a participate in a medical experiment in 2021, 2022, and you don't have half a million dollars in a bank, and they said you got to do it or you'll lose your job. How, how big advantage is it to them that you don't have any financial strength or financial intellect or IQ where you can make more money or make the equal amount of money? Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm also very intrigued by the stuff you said about how when you're sort of wounded and damaged, it makes you more in need of the kind of peer group um, affection and, and protection, and that therefore they, they feed us these poisons like coffee. Tell me, tell me, tell me briefly what, what coffee does to you that's so, that's so bad. Well, basically caffeine. And again, if people want to get into this, if they could look for, they could email me. I got a nice, um, tabulation so they don't have to read the whole book. But caffeine blues is a good book to start with, Stephen Chernisky. But caffeine's a poison. The coffee plant uses caffeine to kill competing foliage so the coffee plant can get more sunlight. And the coffee, uh, the coffee plant will infiltrate all its pods and even its leaves with caffeine. It's a natural pesticide. So it poisons you. This is why it gives you this big burst of energy because the body's like, Hey, you've been poisoned. So it increases the heart rate and increases the metabolism, increases the energy, not because you're getting energized. You're, you're not getting en energy. You're spending energy. So you're poisoned and. They used to use all kinds of different poisons to poison us to keep us down. And they only found it's the UK royals are sort of an extension of this uh, cult. But and they found the coffee bean in Arabia when they were doing the Crusades. And they used to use the teas right from the British colonies, which has a much lower caffeine content. So when the Crusaders came back with the coffee, knowing full well what the royals used the caffeine for. So you got to check this shit out. 
I don't, it's called coffee. It, this is about 1680. It was only 1680. They, they brought this coffee bean back from Arabia and said, you know, you forget the tea. Uh, you know, you only get, you don't have to have the tea in the morning and tea time at about one or two. You can rifle the slaves up on this coffee thing. They'll go all day. Protection of double. There's more caffeine. There's double the caffeine in the coffee than there is in the tea. So when you pour, the reason you have energy is because you're poisoned. But again, it's energy leaving you. Your body's fighting it, but you do feel that big energy burst. But it will poison you and poisoned humans are weaker humans. Weaker humans comply more. It also shuts off 52% of blood flow and oxygen to your brain right away. Just an eight, eight ounce cup of coffee. So if you think hard's to, uh, life's hard to navigate right now, think about navigating life with only half a brain. Uh, there's, it's, there's a lot worse than that. And guess who owns Starbucks? I mean, Howard Schultz bought Starbucks in 1987. It only had, I think, six stores at the time. And uh, it was sold. It was outside Howard Schultz's hand until another Seattle businessman heard about it, went to the per- person who had purchased Starbucks and said, you're backing down. You're not buying this. I'm buying this. And the guy didn't say anything. He backed down right away. It was William Gates Sr. And the funding was from his son, Bill Gates. Starbucks is owned by Bill Gates. Why would the uh, computer moguls want to want to get on the caffeine bandwagon? There's reasons for this. Caffeine is what's called a psychoactive drug. It disturbs brain function. And it disturbs brain function in the best way possible to keep people down. It inhibits the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain behind the forehead, and the prefrontal cortex is where morality lives, will lives, and long-term thinking, like long-term consequences of your actions can only be determined and thought out here. This is known as the CEO of the brain. Before anything gets into play physically, it's supposed to be checked by the prefrontal cortex. Coffee shuts it down. So you have no morality, no will. Have you noticed any lack of will lately? Have you noticed any lack of morality lately? And no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not not once. No. So you can see this group, the Medes, not only taught the, I mean, this is why the first, you know, four letters in media is the same four letters in medical. And actually the first four letters are me die in both of them give you a little hint of some of the magic they're casting there. And because this pharmakia is part and parcel of what the Medes used to teach to other king and queens, used to teach, yes, we can control the repetitive content, but only a certain amount will bite into it and mimic it and take it as their own. But if you poison them, if you have beer invented by the Egyptians uh, and the Babylonians, if you have beer, wine, they used to have the hallucinogen, uh, they used to use what's called the blue Nile lily. That was a hallucinogen. Anything that would disturb brain function, if you pumped it into the victims before you launched the repetitive content at them, you'd get more compliance. And this is why if you go to the Cineplex, uh, I know it's spelled C-I-N, it's actually S-I-N, they're hiding it there. But when you go to the Cineplex, uh, they will caffeinate you with the chocolate and everything before you go in, poison you a million different ways so that when you sit down in Alpha, you're going to mimic and, and adopt the content more as your own. 
Right. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that your timeline about tea is quite right. I mean, I think tea would have would have been based on the trade with China, uh, yeah. which was uh, and, and, oh, a little and, later, and, right? That, then shipped shipped over to India, where 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 we 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 grew it there. You know, in the sort of so this would have been certainly post East East India companies. So so about seventeen hundreds then, right? Yeah. So so tea and coffee would probably have been roughly contiguous, but but nevertheless, yeah, I do I take your point. I think you're right. And also, I think coffee would initially, at least, have been a kind of upper upper middle class activity. You know, the coffee houses absolutely. of London. But absolutely, but I take your I take your broader point that I mean, tea. I have to say, I I could probably just well, no. Having said that, I was, I was going to say it, it feels completely unnatural to me not to have a coffee every day, and 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 I now know why because. You give an example in your lecture, um, not one of my favourite films, but Fight Club. You right. Every single tell us tell us about Fight Club. Yeah, well, it's one of the it's one of those things, and again, it's important to focus in on. That it's not like sort of a single push, but they really pushed it really hard, and I think that was to really get Starbucks you know, moving throughout the world. And there's different agendas with Starbucks. There's a reason it started as six shops and now it has about 34,000 shops across the world but in Fight Club that was with Edward Norton and Brad Pitt uh the the producer or the director said he made sure that there was a Starbucks coffee cup in some way in every single scene of Fight Club and it's been proven you only need two sort of repetitive content uh, images or patterns to change the behavior of the audience member. So, you know, when you have a whole movie where there's a Starbucks coffee cup, a takeout coffee cup in every single scene, it's going to have a major impact. And if you watch kids today, there's kids that make minimum wage and there's two $2 cups of coffee. They're going for a 6 or $7 cup of coffee at Starbucks. This is the mind control like like no other. Mm. And, of course, th- this caffeine, you caffeinate the person's uh, neurological system. You sort of make them unable to run their own life. They're going to be running their lives on programs that they've downloaded from the repetitive content of their environment. So these things these things are very common in film the most common imprint, and people can watch film now and look for this, how long does it take to see the first takeout coffee cup? How long to see the clay coffee mug? Look for coffee machines on the back counter, either the percolator kind or the espresso machine, and then look for a coffee shop in the background. They're absolutely everywhere. The heroes, even the, um, I'm trying to think of the movie with The Rock and Jason Statham. I can't remember the name. It was recently. I mean, the first scene is The Rock is taking a spoonful of Folgers crystals. It was within 10 seconds. Most coffee imprints will appear within the first 15 minutes. And sometimes they're very frequent to the point where if you try to pick them out, you'll be laughing to yourself how frequent they are. I just thought of a good early example. Three Days of the Condor. The only reason Robert Redford survives when, when the rest of his office is, mass, is massacred, he's gone out on the, on the coffee run 
and he's and because it's raining, he's taken a back route, and he gets back, and they've all been wiped out by Max von Sydow and his, and his assassins. But Redford's arrived because he was going to get the coffee. <laughs> right, right, exactly. There's also always some kind of coffee. And it's the most prolific. Alcohol might be the second, and then everything else piles in after that. But coffee is absolutely the first. And I did a breakdown of Leave the World Behind with Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke. It was the Netflix special. This is the ba- Obamas produced it. Okay, so that's going to yeah, be the Obamas satanic. produced that. And there was so much. I mean, it's it's just standard. They they found a Starbucks. You know, even I think it was after that big. The white lion ship crashed onto the sand and they're just driving home bewildered that there was a huge oil tanker that crashed into the beach. And of course, Julia Roberts says, um, you know, oh, there's a Starbucks. That was their only line. Then they're in Starbucks and then you see the coffee cup. Then she brings the coffee cup home. And what's weird is when she brought the coffee cup home, there was a frame scene where she's doing her computer work. The Starbucks coffee cup is there. The logo is turned to the camera and not in, and she's sitting at the kitchen island and on the kitchen counter is a percolator coffee machine and an espresso machine, both. I mean, what are the chances there that the person, you know, everything is coffee, coffee and people love it. And there's a, you know, don't forget, I think it was, is it Huxley's? A Brave New World, he talked about Soma, this drug you could get on every corner that sort of dulled the pain, made everybody sort of groovy. I tell people it's obvious. Coffee is Soma. Um, I've got to ask, because th- this, this is the, the skeptical question that comes up. Absolutely, is, James. Who, who is it who makes the... Is it the, the set dresser? The, the, um, who, like, is it the director? Somebody, somebody on these movies. You say it takes place at a mostly subliminal level, not generally part of the main plot, unless it's yeah. James Cameron. So, where, is there a kind of uh, a sort of Illuminati plant on every every film production who takes care of the brainwashing? How does it work? Basically, I asked my friend. My friend's been in a hundred and thirty different movies. Um, minor roles. His name is Richard Zeman. And I asked him once, I said, Richard, who's putting all these coffee cups everywhere? And who's decorating the stuff? So there's like Illuminati eyes hanging in the back, uh, the backdrop and things like that. He says, it's got to be the prop guys. There's prop guys. And, but I watch the movies too. And I think the directors have to be in on it because even when I watched the born identity one time, and there was, you know, not, not a direct scene of Jason Bourne, Matt Damon, but it was a scene of, you know, the CIA operatives meeting in the full suits in a very expensive hotel. And, you know, the camera's not moving in a lot of these scenes. And I took a snapshot of the, of that particular scene and it's framed perfectly. So the coffee cups on the two main actors table, they're clear, but there's three people in the background, three extras, and the coffee cup is perfectly centered, like just over the shoulder of the main actors, just under the armpit. So your brain is taking in six coffee cups and no one moves. And I'm like, how long would it have taken to frame it? And this was a sort of millimeter by millimeter, like one millimeter off, you're covering up the handle of the coffee mug. 
it wasn't even like that. You could see the full six coffee mugs in their complete totality. And I'm like, this is more bizarre than I ever thought because it would have, you would have had to really work the angle of the camera to get all six cups of coffee in there. And the, the, the sort of the conscious brain would not even notice this stuff. The, but the unconscious brain does, right? Absolutely. The unconscious, the subconscious is basically it loves you. So the speed of which the download occurs is being proven to be literally, depending on what research you, you take in. But let's just say we'll go with a low end. The subconscious can take in 20 million bits of information a second in this loving count of the repetitive environment, because that's why it's doing it. It wants you to be safe. And the conscious mind can only take in 400 bits of info a second. You don't stand a chance to pick it up. And even your local Darren Brown, who's one of the best uh, mentalist and mind control experts in the world, he actually went into a movie, Ocean's Eleven, in a local area in the UK and he convinced the local film owner, the cinema owner, he put in a one tenth of a second clip where it says, forget the movie, forget the movie, forget the movie, forget the movie. So it put four times in one tenth of a second. Now you only need two repetitions to change behavior. After the film was done, he went into the uh, theater at the lobby to interview people. Half the people couldn't remember the movie, what they saw. <laughs> Couldn't remember. And what was funny, if you noticed, I don't, I don't know what's going on in the UK, but you can drink alcohol at this theater. I don't know if that's normal over there, but the people who forgot the movie were drinking alcohol and the people who remembered it were not. And, and Darren didn't even highlight that point. Okay. So we've got, actually, before we move on to alcohol, I just wanted to ask you, have you been down the rabbit hole where, um, that, the pedo symbol, the 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 the, the triangle, Tri yeah. that is always cropping up in the background of kids' TV, of of, of children about uh, movies about about children. I mean, again, yeah. what, the designers must be in on it because that's not that that is not a pattern that you would naturally draw. You know, that sort of squiggly pattern. It's become it's become so ubiquitous. So you've probably got the set dressers or the or the props people in on it. You've got I mean, it can't be, people cannot not know about these things, can they? I think some people have to know about them. But if you look at, I mean, I think what they're saying is everybody knows. I mean, we know, they know. And if we noticed anything over the past, uh, say, four years, people do, people are doing whatever they're told for a paycheck, even if it's actually killing people. So obviously putting up a couple pedo signs in the background or putting some coffee cups out so people get addicted to coffee. They might just think it's product placement so people increase the profits of these companies. They don't know that these companies are run and bought by this ancient media group who knows that the more polluted someone is, the more they comply with the repetitive content. I mean, if, if, We've drowned ourselves in so much immorality. And don't forget, like I said, the prefrontal cortex is the center of morality. So if it's off, how could anybody be refusing this for a paycheck? There's no okay. morality. So you've, you've, you've warned us off coffee. You're now going to tell me that alcohol's bad as well. 
used to be their favorite. Now, the timeline here is, is set. The Egyptians had that. It would, it, this is what they used to call rock and roll concerts. So they'd get them drunk after they, you know, quarry the rock, rock and roll, and uh, give them the beer so that they're sedated and get up uh, under psychoactive influence to the next day of their slavery. But yes, alcohol has the same effect. It shuts down the prefrontal cortex, the frontal lobe. It numbs the system. It poisons the system. And to be honest with you, hangover is a lot more severe than what you're going to get drinking two cups of coffee. And someone who's poisoned to that effect will comply more. And this is why in Canada, James, only six, five or six years ago, Justin Trudeau, part of this group, not in control of anything, of course, he uses Canadian taxpayer money to say, hey, hey, a government, you know, keep you safe. That's the favorite hypno-trigger word. We got the safe drinking guidelines now for alcohol. You know what they were, James? 15 drinks per week for men, 10 drinks per week for women. Completely safe and encouraged by the Canadian government. They know what they're doing. And of course, Canada, not only with this alcohol guidelines and new investments in Taj Mahal liquor stores. You come to Canada, you walk into a liquor store, it's like a it's like a carnival park. You wouldn't believe it. And then they have the marijuana coast to coast. And if you want to know how bad marijuana is, smoking it, not eating it, smoking it for the human brain, even go to mainstream doctor, Dr. Amen, A-M-E-N. He'll tell you how dangerous that drug is for the human brain. And it gives the same effect. When you're damaged in the brain, your whole system recognizes you're too stunned to, to defend yourself from the tribe. You better really adhere to that list of repetitive content I made. Do you think marijuana is actually worse than alcohol or is it, are they just similarly? I don't, it's hard to tell because they affect the human in so different ways. But basically this group, it's like the cinema, any movie you want, uh, any drug you want, yeah, they're yeah. good with it. Right. Yeah. You want to get drunk. Great. You want to do weed. Great. Fentanyl. And don't forget, you might, I think you're aware that in British Columbia, Canada, fentanyl is legal now. Heroin's legal. Cocaine's legal as long as it's on under 2.5 grams. And this group, like you said, you talked about China. They took over China in the opium wars in the late 1700s. Same group. They know that drugs really disturb brain function. People with disturb brain function they're more compliant so we're getting drowned and canada is heavily compliant because it's so high the whole population is high over here james so obviously we are humans are kind of drawn to altered states aren't we we find it kind of appealing to, to get get out of our heads in some way um are, are you saying that that all of this is illegitimate or at least it's going to it's going to destroy us this, this this stuff yeah and humans are drawn to get out of their heads but the worse their reality is the more that magnetic affinity 
So the more your life sucks, the more you'll like coffee, the more you'll like alcohol, the more you'll like weed. So the the worse your reality, the more you want to escape. So they know that. So they'll always turning up the volume on the shitty existences. And that's when they pile in the extra sedative substances. Like Canada, the existence there is unbearable. This is why they the alcohol. Then they brought in the weed. Now they're bringing in the heroin and the cocaine. Toronto, Ontario, Canada wants to mimic what British Columbia is doing and get fentanyl into, you know, into full production down on street level. So um, th- they know how to rule the public. If you're going to make their lives tyrannically inclined, you got to pump in the fake fabricated happy emotions through the psychoactive drugs. So what are you going to tell me, Jason, that basically we've got to give up all our bad habits and stop watching TV? <laughs> I don't think anybody, I would, I would tell people the, the best, here's, here's, here's a good step for people. Number one, it's progress. It's not perfection yeah. as we started the show with. But if they want to get healthy, there's a book by a man named Paul Check, C-H-E-K. And he has a book, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. It's the best place to start for improving your health. But health is strength. Strong people resist more. If you're weak, uh, if you're weak physically, you're sort of dead in the water. Cause if you're weak physically, you can't build what I call the other four pillars of strength, which is financial strength, emotional strength, intellectual strength, and spiritual strength. So your primary pillar is always your physical. But I tell people, look, if you take action high, like I would love to fight or like basically remove the power brokers from their seats of power physically and i'd love to do if someone's high and drunk and wanted to stand shoulder to shoulder with me i think that i'm fine with that but if you if someone wants to get strong enough to resist group pressure which is what repetitive content has proven to be it's literally repetitive content is is a representation of group pressure in your environment so if you want to get strong enough to resist the repetitive content or they're going to tell you like the, they told the Canadian truckers, it's a small fringe minority. 90% of the truckers are vaccinated. You can see Justin Trudeau's speech was there to say, you're in the minority. We're more than you. We have the bigger group. And you can tell it was written by a psychological behavioralist, you know, an expert. Beca- so if you want to be strong enough to actually feel in the 10% and still say, I'm not going with you morons, even though it's 90%. You go do what you want. You go and jump off a cliff. I'm not doing it. You have to be physically strong. The more polluted you are, the less strong you are health-wise, the more you're you're not even going to notice that Justin Trudeau's convoy speech where he said, small, fringe, minority, right? Three words just getting right in there. Right. Well, of course, when it's like when you reveal the the conjurer's methods, you know he he can't do it anymore, can he? That's. The- I tell people if you know how the magic the magician does his tricks, the magic show fails to entertain. And he only talked for two minutes, and not only did he say small fringe minority, he said ninety percent of the truckers across our great nation are vaccinated and these views do not represent the majority 
of Canadians. And I know this because I'm going to Washington, D.C. to speak at CPAC to undress the magician's tricks so that people can understand, no, he didn't really saw the lady in half at the magic show. It's a trick. And if you know how the trick is done, you feel stupid for falling for it in the first place. I had this experience the other day, Jason, which kind of, uh, it doesn't relate to humans, it relates to horses, which are also, as you must know, a, a herd animal. Yes. And I was, I was hunting um, on horseback, and n not like the American version of hunting. And the horse I was on went, went lame. Um, and so I swapped with somebody else's horse with the people who were lending me their horses. And I, and I, I, I changed horses, but in the time it took me to change horses, I got separated from the field, which is the, all the other horses and I lost them. And I, I was with this horse alone in, you know, just looking around fields with sheep in them, um, and, and difficult gates to get through. And it was one of the grimmest half hours of my life because this horse was going absolutely mental. It was, it was screaming. It, was, it, it wanted to be with the other horses and it felt so utterly, utterly bereft. And I could, I could feel this animal's fear and pain. And of course it was, you know, I was, uh, I, I was lost. And so this, I, I felt very powerfully through the horse this this thing that you've described in in humans this incredibly intense desire which we don't acknowledge to be with the herd absolutely and you know you can see the the horse was weak without his mates yeah and then it's easier to train a horse like that and that's why all horse trainers and dog trainers will always separate the horse and the uh the dog from the group because you can't train other any other way and the same thing was applied to humans we were sent home during the two oh. weeks to flatten the curve away from our mates because that's the best time to train an animal is where they have no counter narrative and they're so afraid they're looking for a leader they 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 don't believe in themselves as a single entity tell me what the group is doing i want to be with the group i want to feel the safety of the group and of course the tv the town square that hangs on the wall in your living room was more than happy to tell you on every single station what the majority was doing and how you could be part of the herd and run with the big herd they're yeah. very clever they're very clever can i just say jason you're going to i'm sure you're going to disagree with me but i would like to say a word in favor of of tobacco because yes. what i've noticed is that some of my some of the best conversations i have the most meaningful conversations with people uh particularly about all that's going on tend to be with the congregation of smokers who have mm -hmm. been marginalized that they are outsiders and they they find camaraderie and community and i'm sure that's one of the reasons that they 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 banned smoking in pubs that they didn't they didn't care about our health they, they they wanted this to stop us communicating yeah i would say so i would say that's probably why they did banyan pubs and i tell people too i mean you can as long as you start on the path it doesn't really matter what you're doing but it's not 1990 anymore i tell people you don't have uh, 25 years to put the connect the dots here and put all this together because this group is coming for with the big hatchet swing and the weaker 
the weaker people are going to fall first. It's like if you're getting chased by a bear at a campsite, you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just got to run faster than the person next to you. And uh, the, the, the five pillars of strength are very necessary to make you a fast runner in those five areas compared to the other people. So I think for us to save ourselves, to save our families, first get strong yourself, and then we work ourselves out to you know, increase the strength in the society so that we can just say, yeah, no, give us your best shot. We're saying no. And I mean, we really have to go in eventually and start locking the doors to these uh, government structures because we can't keep paying people to take our money and then destroy us with our own cash. It makes no sense whatsoever. Well, you, I mean, I have this theory that there's nowhere to hide, that this is, you know, mm-hmm. they've got their plans. They're coming for all of us. There's no, yeah. you know, the, gone are the days when you could have said, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a house out in New Zealand." New Zealand has already fallen. I mean, they've they've already been taken over by the by the kind of the commie World Economic Forum yeah. faction already. I mean, they were the, one of the most vaccinated countries during the the so-called pandemic. Um, you're in Mexico, which I yes. know is a, is a, is a kind of great place to be relatively like now. Well, what is it? tell me about your experiences there. Oh, Mexico. I mean, the, the weather's good. I mean, the account, 67% of Mexicans don't have interact cards. They only use cash. There's many factors like that where the World Economic Forum infiltration will always be slowed down a little bit. But uh, they're very good at the fifth generation warfare down here on the Mexican people by Walmart polluting their food. And Coca-Cola down here is... I say, I would say Coca Cola is a primary fifth generation warfare weapon down here to pump in the caffeine, to pump in the sugar, to weaken the overall body proper, to make people more compliant. Um, so this is the sort of warfare we're in is everybody thinks we're free and then everything's toxic and they don't understand the pharmacia, uh, the media poisoning, the RX poisoning that goes along with the media protocols. Because again, it's not only about repetitive content, you have to infiltrate the society with poisons of all kinds, or you'll only get that 25 to 30% compliance rate. No matter what research you do, a healthy humans only comply to repetitive content 25 to 30% of the time. If you pollute them, into the upper, you know, into the nth degree, you get so much more compliant. So the takeover protocols of any society in this commie takeover is pretending it's freedom and telling people the good life is about poison, giving them some capitalism, giving them some money, disposable income, but making sure they go and poison the crap out of themselves and their children and make sure they all watch the screens. And then the Fabianistic approach, Emperor Fabian in Rome, it's an inch by inch approach. You can take them down over several generations. Yeah, I've just thought of another example of that. Um, I used to wonder in the days when I was interested in pornography, why it was that so much porn was free. You know, what what, what yeah. was the business model? How 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 did it make sense for them? But of course, they don't care. They just want you to be consuming porn. Is 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 the is the aim, right? Absolutely. I mean, porn is that sort of multifactorial attack. I mean, it probably has more prongs of benefit for the ruling group than almost any other agenda. One of the big ones is males. 
Uh, males in pursuit of sex become very competitive, which means they're going to go out and be their best selves, present their best selves, put their best selves forward, buff their bodies up, hopefully not with steroids like I did, but sort of polish themselves up for potential mating rituals. But if you can just go to the bathroom and, uh, and masturbate, you can decrease the, the male's need to become competitive. And that lack of competition can really sedate the male. And this group, the media group from the ancient country, they've fought many battles over thousands of years. And when they lose, it's to strong males. If they do not want males being their best, it's a lot easier to bulldoze a society when the males are high as a kite, playing video games, masturbating in their mother's basement. That's just the way it goes. Yes, video games have got to be another example, right? Absolutely. With, I mean, just think about the, the weird programming. You got intense fixation, right? They call it fixing of the gaze. The same as the uh, hypnotist with the pocket watch. You're getting into the alpha brainwave state. And all these things are negative about ki- all these video games are killing. And you're getting your emotional needs met. You're getting all these fake emotions that have no comparison to the real world. So there's no way you can get hero sort of emotional rewards and warrior emotional rewards out in the real world unless you do a whole bunch of work first. But you can get it instantly inside the video game. So they start doing away with real life because they can get all their emotional needs met on the screen. And eventually they want us, I mean, the end goal of this media group, they want us in Neo's red pot of goo with all the images getting pumped in and we're just sort of sitting in the red pot of goo and we're pushing emails for them um, neurologically and we don't even really need to get, we only get fed out of the goo and that's it. I know it sounds bizarre, but that's where the neural link, this is their dreams. They don't want to deal with this anymore. And they know that the screen can give us everything we need. Like we could go to a trip like in our own mind even if you put the VR goggles, like Apple just invested, what, $100 billion in the VR goggles, we could go to Greece, we could go to Turkey, we could we could be Boba Fett and go to work. Uh, they, they know that we could get satisfied neurologically, and that's very dangerous because if you get all your ultimate satisfaction emotionally from the screen... You don't want to participate in real life. You actually, you actually say, that's not for me. I'm having more fun here in the screen. Then they're going to put it inside your head and then away you go. Uh, you're just going to sit there, but you'll think you're living a good life. This is the average person who watches the Super Bowl. It's proven they have the same neurological firings in the same emotional waves of the person playing the game. So you can yes. per- you can actually pretend you're living a life. You're just sitting there rotting on the couch. They just want to make the screen so small to put it right inside your head. Yes, the number of men. I mean, I think I'm unusual in this. I, I, mean, I don't I don't really follow sport, but the number of men who are you know grown up, reasonably successful in their their jobs, etc., who invest so much of their time in 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 sport and their their favorite team, or whatever. 
Absolutely. And, and this is, this team programming is rabid in the U.S. And this is why the conflict, see, the group we're dealing with knows that team programming gets a lot of conflict going. Who's your team? Democrats. Oh, I'm a Republican. I'm going to, and then, and that's, and so they fight, but you get the facilitation neurologically of that pathway by pick first picking a sports team then you pick a political team then you know i'm straight and you're gay and so everybody has this team orientation psychologically and they think they're supposed to be conflictual when someone's us tell people i have a girlfriend and someone says well i'm gay and i'm like okay that's that's all right no problem right they're expecting me to back my team up they're gonna back their team up and the people who rule us, that's why all this sports is so driven us into our psychology because it's what gives us what's called psychological priming for other teams like Russia versus Ukraine and, you know, the UK versus Russia. And it just never ends. And everybody's so team oriented. They just, they dig into their team and they start throwing knuckles. Yeah. The world versus Tucker Carlson right now. How Absolutely. dare he interview, interview the evil Putler? <laughs> exactly. Poor, poor Tucker's getting scraped all over the world now. But, you know, but people, they want a team because don't forget, it's group pressure, right? Like, what's your team? Everybody's cheering for their team. Is my group dominant? Is my group the majority? Humans can't survive on their own. All this is group psychology manipulation. Yeah. Um, well, um, You've given me lots and lots of kind of depressing food for thought, Jason. Because, like, I, I, you know, because I've been so well programmed, I'm I'm kind of attached to all that, all my little vices, okay. my little vicelets. That's I okay. Mean, I, what, what's I it like being? Great. What's it like being completely straight? <laughs> I'm not completely straight. I do have some chocolate, um, you know, a little bit of chocolate here and there. Uh, I might have an espresso six times a year. I don't drink alcohol, though, like at all, period. So I stopped drinking alcohol a long time ago. I went nine years with zero alcohol. And then my friend who owned a bar passed away. And his wife said, tonight's the night. He, w he wanted you to come back and drink at his bar. And I said, okay, tonight's the night. I've got to come back. I'm going to drink. But uh, I don't I only eat organic food, go to bed at 9 o'clock, drink filtered water, work out and play tennis, uh, try to lead in the moral and ethical way so other humans have something positive to mimic it's uh it's a different way of life but the other way of life is you can see the results my happiness level is so much better my relationships are so much better my finances are so much i've never made every year when i'm healthy i make more money more money and it's not about the money money's options money's freedoms like when Canada locked down, I was able to get on a plane, leave, and literally move to Mexico in about three or four weeks. And you're going to need money for that. And yeah. I was able to save a lot of my loved ones in the same way. And new computers and the, the condos are expensive in this part of the, in this, this nice part of Puerto Varta. Uh, you got to have money to navigate, right? So it's just options and freedoms. And again, you have to have a clean mind to excel in all these areas and uh 
So that's, that's what I dedicate to is the five pillars of strength. And I teach it in all my programs, my academy, my institute. I teach all these things. And if anybody wants to get on my email list, they just email me at info at jchristoff.com. Single initial J, Christoph is Christ with an OFF on the end. And I, I can teach them for free. If they want to go on my programs, great. If not, I'll, I'll teach them for free over time. I like your business model because you could have you could have you could have parlayed your your um your fame into exclusivity, and you don't. You no. don't. Do you, where does where does Christoph come from, by the way? Uh, it comes from Macedonia, and it sort of uh, it means the repeating Christ or the repeating healer. Christ wasn't uh, Jesus's last name. Christ is actually a title that means healer, and O F F it just means magic or repeating magic in a certain, <laughs> certain so you could old be, scripture. you could be descended from alexander jason <laughs> i very could you know we have the same traits mentally except, unstable except so did he have any kids <laughs> very fiery yeah i think he liked the animals too so i don't have that aspect to me not you know what you do with your private life and don't hurt other people i'm a voluntarist whatever you want to do alexander but i think he went out and hurt a lot of people too uh, that's what i'm, I'm not I like i think he that. did can I, I just, think you I did. just since we mentioned him, and let's, we can round this off here. Um, a point I wanted to make earlier, which I'm sure you're aware of, is that the owner of Netflix is a descendant of Edward Bernays, the guy who yes, invented I know. Uh, I know. public relations, i.e., brainwashing, who himself was the nephew of Sigmund Freud, I think. <laughs> yes. So there's that. And can I recommend something for you not to watch? There yes. was a new Netflix epic series about Alexander the Great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it lavish historical recreations of pa- palaces and etc., uh, etc. Et but there is this long scene earlier on where Alexander is with his, his two male friends and he's smooching with, with his, mm. his special, special friend. And you're thinking they really are just rubbing it in our faces aren't they they just they can't they can't not tell us that alexander was gay and look here he is enjoying a gay relationship on screen for your delectation whether you wanted just history or whether you wanted sex as well it's everywhere yeah and and that's a common theme too right and a lot of people you know it's their team so they will attack right away if you try to address it but the repetitive content of that sort of image is only grown over time yeah. and this group really basically uh, doesn't want population proliferation and so mm. if you can use repetitive content and say this is the safe area and don't forget repetitive content the most repetitive content does rank as the safe area so and you they know how to work from different angles to get their same goals that's just like one very small slice of the pie but if you add up the whole pie <laughs> they're really coming at us i mean even in british columbia canada and even in other areas where they've legalized the drugs the overdoses are the highest they've seen ever so you can see this group is really trying to pick people off. You're not going to reproduce. You're going to die. 
We're going to kill you in, in even the Canadian MAID system, M-A-I-D, medical assistance and dying. Yeah. If you don't have a good life, well, how could you have a good life when the government's trying to kill you and steal 60% of your cash? Of course, you're going to be depressed. And if you can't make ends meet, there's the government. They can't afford to pay you, but they can afford to kill you. And you just drip, drip, yeah. drip. You get the depopulation, the Fabianistic approach. I take your point. They're going for the low-hanging fruit first. The, the people yeah. who they can coax into taking the death jab, into into uh, getting fentanyl addicted, etc., etc. They'll come for us later on. We're, we're just a bit <laughs> higher up the tree. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be you're, ready. You're, Hopefully I'll be ready with this strong colors. You're at the top, Jason. You're, you're like the fairy on top of the Christmas tree. Yeah, they, they, they'll come for you last because I can see your, you know, your hench, your, 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 you don't drink, yeah. <laughs> If if I'm dead, we're all dead. That's what I tell yeah. people. If somehow yeah. they get me, I'll probably be the last one running into the forest. They'll be like, oh, everybody else is gone. What's the, what's the well, sense of living? Have you seen that anyway? film, The Omega Man? You, do you really want to be the Omega Man? No, I don't. I, I got to look this up now. How do you spell that? Well, Omega, you know, M O E G A. Oh, the Omega Man. I think yeah, who, yeah. Was, who was in that? Uh, well, Sylvester it was originally Charlton Heston. And I think oh, okay. the remake was with somebody like Denzel Washington or somebody. Or De- maybe Wesley Snipes, maybe. maybe one, yeah, one or the other, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> um, so um, Jason, tell tell my viewers and listeners where they can find your your stuff. If if anybody needs more depressing information like this, and they really want to get it and start understanding what's going on, they can, again email me info at jchristoff.com. I'll put you on the private email list. You'll get the Christoph report three times a week. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, but of course you can't tell truth there. That's why the email uh, list exists. I'll sh- I won't depress you. I'll educate you. I know it's yeah. kind of depressing that the world's a little uh, inverted, a little upside down. But we we can. It's about progress, not perfection, and we can turn it around if we could just step by step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jason, I've really enjoyed talking to you. And, and dear viewers and listeners, um, I really appreciate those of you who support me, um, uh, whether by buying me a coffee, supporting <laughs> my excellent sponsors. So I'm sorry, this is a metaphorical coffee, Jason. It's not a real coffee, okay? It's I know, right. I've seen it. I was just laughing. I was just laughing. <laughs> yeah, of course you were. <laughs> yeah. um, or or um, by supporting me on, on um, Locals and on Substack, where you get... Early access to my, I, I now leave about a week's delay. So if you want early access to my you know, self-interest here, um, you, you, uh, sponsor me on, 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 on Patreon, on Subscribestar, on, on Substack, on, on, on Locals. Uh, and please support my sponsors. They're great. They're all good. You know, whether you wanted to get your gold in a vault um, or, or in bullion, in which case it's a pure gold company. If you want interest on your gold holding, it's monetary metals. Um, you'll find details at my website, jamesdallingpole.co.uk. Jason, thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to have a cup of tea now. Is that allowed? <laughs> Absolutely. Celebrate and shut the brain off a little bit. You did a great job. I love your work, James, and uh, you're a brilliant man. Thanks for your work uh, on the I, planet. I say back at you, bro. <laughs>